it was yesterday, today, and tomorrow. For y'all, thank you for the name of Jesus. Powerful things happen in the name of Jesus. And when you feel no hope and you feel lost, just get quiet, say his name, and think on him. Because amazing, miraculous things happen in our lives when we concentrate on the great name of Jesus Christ.
How many of you know that when the Spirit of God is loosed, people are never the same. People are changed. What you couldn't do before, you can now do. Where you, where you couldn't go in the Spirit, now you can go. When the Spirit of God is loosed, the prophetic is loosed. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, miracles, healings, tongues, interpretation of tongues. I tell you, there is something supernatural that when the Spirit of God is let out, we need a hunger for it. We need to cry out for it. We need a thirst for it. We need to reach out for it. Oh, Lord, we want to be transformed into that Spirit, into that anointing. We want to know that the Spirit of God is real. The Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God is breaking forth upon us in a mighty way. Let the river of God flow. Let the river of God flow into this place. Let the Spirit of God flow into this place. Let the Spirit of God flow into this place. Let the Spirit of God. Let this be a house of praise, a house of anointing, a house of worship, a house of prayer, a house of miracles, a house of wonders. We give you praise, O Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Spirit of God, we need you. fresh we want a fresh touch breathe upon us anew Lord it doesn't matter if people speak about us like they did in Acts we just want your spirit it's not about what we look like people can call us drunk people can call us all kind of things but Lord I just want more of your Holy Spirit I want to see, as you see, I want to hear your voice. I want to feel your touch. We come here and lift you up and exalt you. In Jesus' name, if you take your communion sets, if you don't have one, just raise your hand. The usher will get you one. You just take your bread. Jesus took bread that night and he broke it. He said, this is my body. This is my body. Can you imagine? Jesus could say, God spoke about me in the Garden of Eden when he slew the lamb and covered the nakedness of the two that had just sinned. I was Aaron's rod. I was the lamb caught in the thicket. Wherever you look in the word, you'll find me. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Mary supernaturally conceived the body of God, filled with the Spirit of God, spoken by the Word of God. He said, this is my body, sinless and spotless, that was broken for you. Take this in remembrance of me. And Lord, we take this today for our healing, for our freedom, the ending of our captivity, and the beginning of our liberty. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, let's partake of the bread. took the cup somebody shout out the blood the blood over our lives the blood over our families the blood over our nation the blood over our land the blood over our todays our tomorrows our future this is the blood that allows us to go into the gate can I hear an amen this is the blood that wrote you're in my name in the Lamb's book of life this is the blood that covers a multitude of sins they took the blood, he says, take this and drink it all in remembrance of me.
and we give you praise for the blood today, Father. And we declare we are blood-bought, blood-redeemed, blood-washed, blood-sanctified, blood-justified. The blood of Jesus will partake of it. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. Turn around to somebody next to you. Shake their hand. Welcome them today. Tell them, I'm so glad that you are here. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, welcome to the second service today. So glad you're here. We prayed for our youth in the first service, and we know they're having an awesome time. So glad that you're here. We bless you in Jesus' name. Um, Make a few quick announcements. Don't forget intercessory prayers every Sunday at 8.15. Wednesday nights, we have our 360 class, which is at 5.30. We encourage you to come and get disciple, get a hold of the Word of God, get in some deeper teaching as they finish up this week on the gifts of the Holy, uh, on the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Also, we're so proud of our mission trip, that our missionaries who are getting ready to go to Africa, getting ready to go to Kenya again, going to do some work down there. Make sure you visit the table. Thank you for your help and your support. and appreciate you really standing behind them as they get ready to go. Also, uh, we're a week away from the, uh, the ticket for, for the pictures for Africa. And also, there's a deadline for Prime Kids Conference. The deadline to order and pay for the T-shirts is next Sunday. And if you're visiting us for the first time, we sure glad you're here. Fell out a card, and we welcome you in the Jesus' name. How many wants to welcome all of our visitors here today? We're glad that you're here. <laughs> Glory. You know, I want to... Today's going to be totally different, but I want to do something different. And I want to read something to you out of Romans chapter 8. Because I watched a little bit of news this week. And so I figured I might comment on something here. Romans chapter 8 verse 18. The title of this, The Future Glory. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us later. Can I hear an amen? You may be going through a whole lot of stuff, but thank God when we all get to heaven, it's going to be over. Amen. It's going to be nothing but the good. But verse 19 is interesting. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal His children who they really are. And against its will, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Think of that. Against its will. Against its will. When the earth got cursed, the earth cried out, oh no. Oh no, we knew what it was to be the perfect creation of God. The earth cried out, oh no, don't curse us. Because every flower knew what it meant and what it felt like to be the brightest. And every grass and every tree knew what it was like to be the best. And the earth was the, nothing but the blessed and the best. And the earth was cursed. And it says even today the earth is groaning. And I'm not trying to get into what the right answer is or not. But I do want to tell you this. I'm glad that our president got out of paying billions of dollars into global warming. Because I want to tell you something. The Bible says that the earth is contracting like a woman giving labor until God comes back and destroys this earth and makes a new one. You can't pay to stop global warming. And it's not pollution that's destroying the land. It's the sin and the curse. And so I give him billion dollars and building a new tower of Babel among the nations. 
they need to be giving that money to the veterans and to our military because before we die of pollution, we're going to blow each other up. So we may as well get the best we can on our streets and in our nation. And so us putting all that money into global warming, I've lived in third world countries. There's nobody who runs around with mufflers and worrying about pollution down there. This earth is cursed. And the Bible says that it, this earth wants to throw up because of the sin. A few years ago, I had food poisoning. Ain't no way I could keep down what was in. It wanted to come up. It was coming up. And there was no stopping it. I, may, I know you may say that's pretty gross, but, you know, sorry. That's how the earth feels. The earth says, I've got to get out of this cursed condition that I'm in. And just like our bodies get feeble and they get weak and they have pains. And you and I talk about when we're going to receive that glorious body. That will never be sick again. Never subject to disease or anything else. We're going to get that new glorified body in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And when we see him, we shall become like he is. Hallelujah. We can't wait for that. Well, this earth cannot wait till it's destroyed. And so every time you hear of a hurricane and you hear of an iceberg melting. And you hear of a tornado and you hear of the tsunamis. Whatever you hear around the world is just the earth in birth pains. And there's nothing to stop that because we're walking towards the end time. And Jesus said, in the end time, there will be tribulation. You will have, there will be earthquakes and famines and there will be wars and rumors of war. There's going to be tsunamis and earthquakes and, and, and hurricanes. There's going to be all of these things. Why? Because it's towards the end of the world. And the earth knows it's about time to be delivered. Because it's about, all about time is going to be destroyed. So God can make a whole new heaven and a new earth under a covenant of blessing from God on high. So you say, well, you know, they're just going to make the earth destroy before it's time. This earth will not destroy till God says it's time. Nothing is going to happen unless God allows it to happen. But at the same time, this earth cannot wait to be free of the curse. And thank God we're free of the curse. But what it continues to say that's very interesting is the earth... The earth don't have the Holy Spirit to give us hope like we have hope. Have you ever been to a funeral? I've been to so many funerals and they go, how could we go through this without Jesus? And all Christians go, we don't know. How can you go through a funeral without Jesus? How can you go through life without Jesus? We see this earth is in a hurry to be destroyed because it doesn't have the Holy Ghost like you and I do. We have the Holy Spirit that gives us hope that we keep going forward. We're expectant and, and, and we're happy to be alive. But the earth doesn't have the Holy Spirit. The earth just wants to be destroyed because it cannot stand what's happening. And so I want you to realize that many times things that are happening, we say, well, it's man, it's man, it's man. Oh, man can't, man's not that powerful. Man cannot do what God's doing. And so I tell you. Just save your money on the tower in Babel and let's, let's just build something for the glory of God. And give some people relief in this time of sorrow. Can I hear an amen? amen. So let's pray for our government. Let's pray for our land. And let's pray for our president and all of them so they can have wisdom. And let's just have a little bit of relief while we're walking through this weary land. Can I hear an amen? amen. 
So listen, the Bible says, sow to yourself in righteousness so you can reap eternal benefits. I want us to come forward. We're going to receive this morning's offerings and tithe. Because I tell you what, there's nothing like re- sowing into eternity so you can reap for eternity. We love you. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
their strength renewed. Amen. Did I come up at the right time? I'm good. Okay. I did great. You did great. You did good. Hallelujah. Let's give the worship team my hand. Let's praise God for them. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's good to see everybody here today. How many of you know when Jesus preached his first message, he said in Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has known me to preach the gospel. That's the full counsel of God. God just doesn't want to give part of the counsel. He wants to give all of the counsel. Why? Because that's what's opened the eyes of the blind, and that's what sets captives free. And Jesus came to set the captives free. Can I hear an amen? And we were singing this song. It goes so with this scripture today. But it's for me. There I draw a line. I'm not going to follow other people. I'm not going to depend on, on other people, what they're doing. I'm drawing a line as far as me. I made a quality decision. I'm accountable as far as me. How many know the king will rise? It's time for the kings will rise. If the king rises, the kingdom will be built. Our homes, our marriages will be established. If we don't dig deep, the foundations don't go deep, the walls will fall. And the walls of protection around our marriages and our homes will fail. But as far as me, I will watch expectantly. 
In other words, I'm not going to allow the fire to go down. In other words, even though it seems like the waiting is taking longer than I expected, even though he's tearing, I'm not going to be like the five foolish virgins that's going to keep running its wick all night, running the oil, playing Monopoly, waiting for something better to come along. I'm going to keep myself prepared. I want to keep my oil lamp filled. Can I hear an amen? I will watch expectantly because while it's while you're expecting, while the Lord isn't answering, it's easy to grow cold. It's easy to get interested and it's easy to get distracted. I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait. It's a dangerous time. I will wait for God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. How many know sometimes we can be our worst enemies? Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, somebody shout out, I will rise. Shout it out again, I will rise. I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. Though I have fallen and I'm broken. The Bible speaks about there are things that break us, but it also speaks about we come before the throne of grace boldly. And so I'm broken, but yet there's a boldness that comes because of grace. And though I've been dwelling in darkness, though I've done some dark deeds, the light's going to guide me out. And the Lord is going to bring me to this new place that I will rise. And I love these promises here. You might be persecuted, but you're not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Somebody shout out, I will rise. It says in Psalms 20 verse 8, they have bowed down and fallen, but we have what? We have what? We have risen and stand upright. It says here in Psalms 24, 16, for a righteous man will fall seven times, but he will what? He will what? He will rise again, but for the wicked shall fall by calamity. And we want to study some things about what causes kings to rise, but also what causes kings to fall. And I want to share with you, I believe God wants us to go into a lifestyle that we're not living a lifestyle of failure, but we're living a lifestyle of resurrection. And the Holy Spirit wants to impart a vision of resurrection, of rising. Even though there's been darkness, even though there's been attacks, even though there's been distractions, I believe God is wanting to get our attention again. And one of the things I want to rise, I want to share with you today, is that when the enemy came to tempt Jesus, he found out real quickly, he tempted him with kingdoms. He says, if you bow to me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Because you can't be a king without a kingdom. But Jesus says, I belong to a kingdom you don't know of. And you see, Jesus showed the devil in all three temptations. And you got to get a hold of this. Jesus showed the devil right there. He didn't have a price tag. And you and I, if we're going to rise and not live a lifestyle of failure, we got to let the enemy know we don't have a price tag. Can I hear an amen? My wife, my marriage, my children does not have a price tag. The vows that I committed does not have a price tag. My commitment to Jesus Christ does not have a price tag. What I have in Christ is not for sale. What God has given me is not for sale. The name of our men's meeting is Superior Warrior, higher in quality. We will rise superior in thought, in word, and in deed. It's about rising up above the prices of the distractions that the enemy throws our way. And the Lord wants us to stand up and arise today. And I love this picture here. It says, when you run after your thoughts, you're like a dog chasing a stick. Every time a stick is thrown, you run after it. Instead, somebody shout out instead. Instead, be like the lion, who rather than chasing after the stick, turns to face the thrower. One only throws a stick once at a lion. 
Can I hear an amen? You're not going to keep throwing a stick at a lion because the lion's not interested in the stick. The lion gets interested in the thrower. We got to see the enemy. He'll throw thoughts at you. For example, you'd be better off if you'd marry to her. You'd be better off if you married to him. You'd be better off if you're single. You'd be better off if you lived this place or done this or you'd done that. And those are thoughts that the enemy just keeps throwing out there to try to see if believers keep chasing to see what their price is. And the Holy Spirit is saying, will the king arise? Will the lion arise and face the devil who's throwing those sticks and thoughts and take captive those thoughts and the thrower through the name of Jesus Christ? Because the enemy will always try to throw distractions. And some of the things we want to study today is that it took Solomon, Solomon's son, and Jeroboam, three kings tore down the kingdom that David spent his life to build. It only took three kings. It took a son and a grandson and a counselor to tear down Israel and split it. And even though it was founded, it was established by God, man, because of his choices, can tear it down. And there's some things we want to see here. Solomon was a very gifted man, but he had untamed passions. Rehoboam, Solomon's son, was a weak man, but wealth and power brought him down. King Jeroboam had an unteachable spirit, and he was determined to do things his way. And the thing that you find in common with all three of these kings is that the choices they made cost the generation that existed. By having an unteachable spirit, when the prophet came to King Jeroboam and told him that God is unpleased with you, God, God's not happy with you, he said, kill the prophet, and his arm became paralyzed. And the prophet said, repent of your ways, for you're unteachable. You see, what happened was Israel was, was separated after Solomon. And the place of worship was Jerusalem. But all of a sudden, Jeroboam decided, well, I don't want my people going to Jerusalem. I'm going to go to Bethel, and I'm going to build golden calves, and I'm going to tell everybody, God sits on the calves. And Jeroboam told everybody that God sits upon the calves, and later on, bodies were burnt upon those calves to false gods. And the prophet told them what was going to happen. And Jeroboam decided, you know what? I'm going to put my own dates for, for, for holidays and for uh, pr- worship. And in fact, I'm not going to allow the Levites to be the priest anymore. I'm going to allow those to be priests who can pay for it. And I'm going to raise taxes. Because my father Solomon, you know, he, he used so much taxes to build everything he built that he bankrupted Israel. Everybody saw the glamour. Everybody's heard of all the things that he's done, but they didn't see all, that he, all the people he stepped on and the money he borrowed to build what everybody saw. He went against his own counsel and wisdom, and we find here that he refused to listen. He unteachable spirit because his kings did not guard their heart. C.S. Lewis wrote this, that whenever a ship goes out on the high seas, there's three things on the checklist. Number one, how to keep from sinking. Number two, how to, bump, how to not bump into other ships. And number three, why are you out there in the first place? I think that last one to preach. Why are you out there in the first place? But you see, the first one, C.S. Lewis says, it's a question of per- personal ethics. What's going to keep me from sinking? What's going to keep me from taking the low road? What's going to keep me from taking the easy way? What's going to keep me from doing what I'm supposed to do? And the second one is how to keep from bumping into other ships is how I'm going to flow and get along with other people. 
And the last one is what's going to be the foundation of my decision making? Because whatever I decide is going to affect other people. I don't know if any of you seen the movie Into Thin Air or read the book. It's about people who was climbing Mount Everest in 1969. The first group and the people who wrote the book and the movies mostly about, they were climbing Mount Everest and they got stuck on the, on the mountain. A group came and rescued them and they got rescued and they continued their ascent. But as they were climbing, they come across another group of people who were starving, who were dying. And instead of rescuing them like they were rescued, they continued to climb up the mountain and many of those people died. When they were interviewed after, the, after the, the mountain climb, and they said in chapter 18, why didn't y'all help these people? This is what they said. We didn't know them. They being rescued did not rescue because they didn't know them. I don't want to tell that to Jesus when I face him. Then later on, someone said, we didn't, we didn't give them any water too. They just said it. We just didn't give them any water. Jesus said, if you give them a drink. He said, we didn't even talk to them. Others said, we're too tired to help. And this was what the leader said. Above 20, 25,000 feet, it's not a place where people can afford morality. At 25,000 feet... And the path of our destination is not a place to be moral or have a conscience. So we allowed them to die. Even though we have not sunk to that place in many of our lives, the question is, is where are we in the area of our morals and our ethics? King Solomon knew about, more about ethics than anyone. He taught about ethics more than anyone. He wrote more Proverbs than anyone. He had more answers than anyone. But I want you to see this. Knowing the answers doesn't guarantee the end results. I said, knowing the answers doesn't guarantee the end results. Solomon was given a gift of grace, a give, gift of wisdom. People came from far or wide to hear him and sit at his feet and listen to his wisdom. But just knowing the answers did not give Solomon the end results that he expected in fact at the end of his day Solomon gave his heart to other gods built shrines to other gods because of the many women he had married it's easy to get advice it's another thing to take it receive it and do it ourselves Solomon made shipwrecked his lives I had a visit a veteran in the hospital this week and as I was visiting him I was thinking about his service and we were talking about it I want to tell you something about the Church of Jesus Christ. There are no veterans. You're either a soldier or you're a POW. We will be in a warfare for the rest of our life. We will never be beyond temptation, no matter how old we are, how long we've been serving Jesus. We will never be above falling unless we stay anchored in Jesus Christ. My grandfather was 93 years old in a nursing home and in a wheelchair. But he was still having to have his hands slapped from the nurses for putting his hands where it didn't belong. 93 years old. Guess what's going to happen to you now? 93 years old. Kept getting his hands slapped. Had a nickname. Well, if you slap him. 93 years old. You would think, you know, life get easier. You won't be tempted when we're 70s and our 80s and our 90s. We're flesh and blood. 
And for us to be able to just think that we're going to be able to go to different places and do different things, I want to cry out like like time and time again, I wanted to cry out to Samson. And I said, Samson, you might have been the strongest man, but what are you doing in a place like that with a woman like that? What are you doing in a place like that with a woman like that? You were taught, you were told, you had a covenant. You were a Nazarite from birth. The angel of the Lord appeared the day you were conceived. What are you doing with a woman like that? What are you doing playing around with sin when you know that the wages of sin is death? What are you doing in a place like that? It says, take heed that a man thinks that he can resist, at least he falls. And I ask you, will the king arise? Will the king rise? I say, if you're in the wrong place with the wrong people, it's going to be very hard if you rise out of anything. Solomon, in all of his wisdom, fell prey to all of his own counsel. Knowing of temptations does not keep them away. And the reason I said that the preacher today, the preacher is going to preach, is not about me preaching. According to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, Solomon is called the preacher. And I want to read what he preached in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And I want you to notice all the times he said, I, myself, me, and my, I decided, I, 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 the eye of pride. He said in verse 1, I said to myself in my heart, I spoke to myself. Come on, let's try this pleasure. Come on. I was raised in the house of David all of my life. I heard my father praising and worshiping God all the days of his life. I was raised in church. I never went to those places, never did those type of things. But you know what? Now that I'm older, I'm tired of practicing what I'm preached and I'm ready to experiment with the world. I said to myself, come on. Let's take the restraints off. Let's try the pleasure that my parents told me not to try. Let's not worry so much about what the Bible says. And let's just get free to do what I want to do. So I talked to myself, you know what? I might be missing out. Let's look for the good things in life. Let's look for it in the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. Verse 2. So I said, laughter is silly. It's funny that in Proverbs he said laughter is medicine. It's funny that when we get away from the truth, it's so easy to start believing and even telling a lie to ourselves and to others. Laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided. His son and grandson did the same thing. I decided to cheer myself up with wine. Isn't this the man who said wine will cause many troubles? Isn't this man said that you don't need to drink to it when it's, when you, to the point you get drunk? This is the man that said, I will cheer myself up with wine. I don't need to depend on the Holy Spirit or the Word anymore. I can depend on things of this world to satisfy my needs. And while still seeking wisdom, listen, and while still seeking wisdom, still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. I'll live this way, but I'll try this. 
And this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life on earth. Why do I have to retain myself? Why can't I find out what it's like to go to bars? And why can't I find out what it's like to live wild? And why can't I go on spring break, mom and dad? And why can't I do what the other kids do? And why can't I do this and that? Why do I have to be restrained? Why can't I enjoy life while I have a chance? Maybe I should have went with the youth. Verse 4 says, I also try to find meaning by building huge homes for myself, by planting beautiful vineyards. Look at this. I made gardens and parks, filling with all kinds of fruit trees. Look at this. I built reservoirs to collect the water, water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. Do you know Solomon imported his water from India? There was nothing this man did not do or could not do. He had vegetables, any type of vegetables and fruits all year long because he said, I will not deny my wants on anything. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks and more than any king who had lived in Jerusalem before me. In other words, he's saying, I'm even greater than my dad. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasures of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and I had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found pleasure in hard work and reward for all my labors. Verse 11, verse 11. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish. This is a word he uses all through Ecclesiastes. It is so meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Like chasing the wind. I want to address things that you don't hear addressed too much today. I want to tell you today that if you're chasing another man's wife or husband, you're chasing the wind. If you're running after skirts and you're running after guys with cars and houses and you're running, you're married and you're going after somebody else's mate, you're chasing the wind and it'll end up being meaningless. If you're already married, those thoughts need to be under control so that you don't give them over to someone else because you made a vow and you didn't keep that vow till you did. Someone sweet talks you, it's chasing the wind. It won't last and it won't make you feel better forever. It may give you a rush and it may make, make you feel good and it may make, make you feel like, man, this is the life and I'm loved, I'm wanted, I'm respected, I'm admired, I don't get this at home. It might make you feel good in the moment, but Solomon said, I had the most beautiful women from around the world. I want to tell you something that's meaningless because I never had the one because I had, always had to have them. And this spirit is so loosed in the world, swingers have made a comeback and people are going around and sleeping with the other mates and living and taking pictures with other mates in other beds even before they're divorced. And it seems like anything can go, but I want you to know there is a day of reckoning. And there is no pleasure 
There, there is pleasure in sin. Oh, there is. That, even, even Solomon said, oh, man, there was pleasure, but it was for a season. And when he got into it, he couldn't get out of it, and he died in it. That's a chance you and I do not want to take. It's so easy to fall into an emotional affair. It's so easy to be in a place where somebody tells you something that you don't hear at home and they tell you and it makes you feel good. It's so easy to fall into the area where you find you get bragged on by something you wear. So you wear it again to see if you can get bragged on again by that same person at work. It's so easy to go to bed at night thinking about that person and slowly but surely you start getting away from your mate and from your vows and you start realizing, I don't think I'm in love with them anymore. And before you know it, your choice is costing the children, the grandchildren, and your present generation. This is not a seeker-friendly message if you haven't told yet. This is not something that you may get from another church as, you know, it's all about making people feel comfortable, but this is a message from a holy God and a man who cries out from the grave in his writing saying, don't do what I did. I thought I was so smart. I did everything I wanted to do. I had it all my way. Yeah, I was Elvis. I did it my way. And I died in my bathroom. I did it my way. I refrained myself. I took everything I wanted, ate everything I wanted, drunk everything I wanted, chased everybody I wanted, bought everything I wanted, built everything I wanted. And the end of my life, what's my testimony? It's worthless. Jesus said, if you just consider the sparrows, they're better off than anything Solomon ever tried or ever said or ever had. They're just there. They're just resting and nesting. And there's this passion, this urge built into every one of us. And I'm not judging you. I'm looking in the mirror too. I'm not judging you, but yet at the same time, there are things that are happening, and the closer we get to the end times, the love of many will grow cold, and there's just things that sometimes we need to be reawakened to. We need to be reminded of. We need to hold on to our wives harder. Will the king arise? Because if the king doesn't rise, the kingdom will fall. If the king doesn't rise, the kingdom will fall. If the king doesn't rise, the kingdom will fall. And our homes and our babies are our kingdom. How can we neglect such a great a salvation? There are people crying out today that the affair was not worth it. I never was the same again financially. I never was the same again in my home. It was not worth it. What started off as such excitement ended up in hate. Who I couldn't wait to be with ended up I can't wait to be away from. Some people know what I'm talking about. He said in chapter 1, verse 8, there are some things that are never satisfying. There are some things that does not matter. There are some things that are never be content. Gideon was having to face the most imitating enemy that there was. And he 
God told him he had too many, but at least Gideon had enough nerve to get on his knees and pray. Sometimes you got to get on your knees. Church, you got to get on your knees and you got to pray when you're going through the most imitating and the most hard battle that you're facing and you're outnumbered and you don't know how to control your emotions. So you make sure you got to get on your knees, hold on to the horns of the altar and cry and pray like you've never cried and prayed before. You grab a hold of those horns of the altar and Gideon, even though he had a lot of men behind him, he prayed, God, can I go with these men? God says, no, you got too many. You're depending on them and not depending on me. He says, the test of the king is take them to the river to see how they drink. He took them to the river and they got down. And the ones who took the water up and were drinking means I can be refreshed without being distracted. Look at this right here. Anything that refreshes you without distracting you or hiding the final goal is good. Anything that refreshes you without distracting you is hiding the fi- or you hiding the final goal is good. Distractions. What do you see in the movies when somebody walks up and hits somebody's shoulder? They distract them why to take their wallet. What's in your wallet? Your life. Your identity. That fast of distraction can take your life and everything you have and cost you days to recuperate. That quick of a distraction, life is gone. Money's gone. Identity's gone. License gone. Freedom to do this. Freedom to do that. It's gone in an instant. Why? Distraction. Distraction at work. Distraction on the street. Distraction in the store. Oh, the enemy's good at distractions. He'll use things to distract us from holiness and purity and walking with God and pleasing God. And anything refreshes you without distracting you or hiding the final goal is good. But look at this. So anything that seduces me or takes away from that becomes a poison pleasure to my soul. Solomon knew her voice seduces his voice seduces money seduces houses seduce things seduce solomon knew it but yet he gave his life to it and he lost it the seductions of the flesh so meaningless distracts us from what god has for us so here's some questions for you is what or who is distracting you what or who is distracting you What's distracting me from my position in Christ? What is attacking my character? What's the price that I can be bought for? What's the price what I sell my marriage or sell my family for? John John Wesley, who was one of the greatest evangelists, touched two continents, wrote over 600 books, did so many things for the glory of God. When he was a young boy, he went to his mother and he said, Mom, what is sin? She said, John, listen to me. Whatever weakens your reasoning, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, or obscures your sense of God, or takes away your hunger for things of the Spirit, or if anything increases the authority of the truth of the Spirit, that to you becomes sin, however good it is in itself. Whatever weakens your reasoning, Impairs the tenderness of your conscience. Obscures your sense of God or takes away your hunger for things of the spirit. Anything that increases the authority of the flesh. 
that to you becomes sin, however good it is in itself. Man. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying that you're going to hell. What I am saying is we need to be aware and be strong against the wiles of the devil. Because he will come in as an angel of light and look like the perfect solution to my, my needs. Say the perfect things, look the perfect way, act the perfect way, give me the perfect things. And he comes in like an angel of light just to draw me away from the light of all lights. Solomon had an issue here. And I believe God summed it up here. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, Solomon, and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both the heaven and the earth, and they have made everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those. It doesn't depend on how much you give and what you've done and what you've built. I will bless those who have a what? A humble. A humble. I'm willing to heed. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to give up and fight what has taken over my heart. I humble myself before you. You said if I will humble myself before you, I will arise. At a contrite heart. And who trembles at my word. That's something that we can pray every day. Lord, I want to tremble at your word. I want that old time religion still shaking me up like you shook me up as a child. I desire to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit to be speaking to me as a child. Lord, don't ever let my heart get so hard that I cannot hear your spirit wooing me to come back to you. And leave the things that are drawing my attention and distracting me from the best that God has. And as I preach this, I share with you about trembling of the word of God because there's so many things and there's so many churches and there's so many ministers that we go ahead and water down the word of the God and we can, we can say things that tickle people's ear and we can say things that just says, you know, just come in, you're a mess, just be a mess. But I want you to know that that's not going to stand before the throne of God because God, he, is, he will hold back his wrath for a season. The Spirit of God will not always yield to man or put up with man's ways. There's a time where we have to get serious about God and get serious about our marriages and get serious about our covenants and get serious about our children and get serious about Jesus and church. May we never fall into the trap to where this is just a social club where we could park on Sundays and come in and just hear a message and sing and go home and it's over. Brothers and sisters, we are in this for life. We are a believer of the Most High God day and night, 24 hours a day. I didn't sign up for religion. I gave my life for Jesus. And it says in Micah, what can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring a burnt offering? Should we bow before God the Most High? An offering of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams? That's what Solomon did. Ten thousands of rivers of olive oil? That's what he did. Should we sacrifice a firstborn child to pay for our sin? No, oh, people of the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what it requires of you to do what is right. Not what some politician or some person or some idiot on TV says what is right. Not what Hollywood says is right and not the way they live. 
It doesn't work for them. A lot of these psychiatrists' books and books a million is not going to help you. Get back to the Word of God. Get back to the truth of the Word of God. Let it cut you. Let it go in there. But let it take out what needs to be out. Because the cancer is eating lives. Do what is right. But I love her. Jesus loves you. Doesn't matter how much you love her. He loves you. What he's told you. He's not only stealing your first love away. You away from Jesus. He's stealing you away from your children. He's stealing you away from the legacy. And the name that God wants to build. There's such freedom society to practice and not withhold anything and do whatever feels good and whatever seems right. But the word of God still says you do what is right to love mercy and to walk humbly before the Lord your God. C.S. Lewis said, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. It's not lust, anger, greed, drunkenness. That's all flea bites. In comparison to what made the devil become the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Pride is the cause for misery. Today we repent of our pride. The thing I want to show you here is. They turned and saw the lion himself, Jesus. So bright, so real and strong. That everything began to look pale and shadowy compared to him. And that's the answer from overcoming all these enticing things the enemy brings our way. All these sounds and sights and everything the enemy throws at us. I used to sing as a boy, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look into his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. We just want to turn our eyes upon Jesus. And I ask you to stand today. Will the king rise? Will the Jesus in you. Be allowed to be seen through you. And every head bowed and every eye closed. Mercy is here. Mercy triumphs over judgment, but yet the master's message was still, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, sinner and saint, both are welcomed at the throne of grace. As you're standing there, there's some areas of your life you know you need to surrender to Jesus today. We got our prayer teams up here. We have... uh, altars here for you to come and just to surrender your life. You, want to, you may want to make your chair an altar. But there's sometimes there's something you've got to do to break the grip of what's been holding you. And sometimes it's just being desperate enough to come to the altar to cry out to God where you are that I know these things are in my heart they're building a wall between us they're making a division a gap between me and my Savior and today I want to give my heart and I want to give my life once again fresh and anew to Jesus Christ
every head bowed and no one looking around. I want to ask those who, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you know you've got to surrender your life to him today, I want to invite you to come up to the front and face me. Anyone who needs to rededicate their life to Christ, come and stand up here today. Those of you that know you need to come to the altar or you need to kneel at your chair or even right there where you stand, you want to make a, take a moment and surrender some things to Christ, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Solomon shipwrecked his life, but you don't have to. The Lord is doing some warnings today. Just cry to Him. Cry out to Him. Father, forgive me! Forgive me. I have not restrained myself in that area of what I see, what I do, what I touch, what I partake of. Forgive me to have mercy upon me, O oh God. Forgive me to have mercy upon me, O oh God. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Forgive me, O oh God. I know it. I know the error of my way. I know the things I've done and I've, the things I used to would never dream of doing, I now do. I've gotten so free of things in my life. I know they're contrary to your will and your word. I repent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me for my rebellion, my disobedience. Forgive me for my choices. Forgive me when I should be praying thy will be done is my will. If that's you, if that's you today is the day to get it right with Christ. Cry it to him. The chains will be broken. The shame will be gone. The spirit of God will rescue Anyone at all. Cry out to Jesus. Say with me, Heavenly Father, have mercy. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. Forgive me for my rebellion, my disobedience, and my sin. Wash me and cleanse me from all my sins, known and unknown. Today I confess that I have been wrong. I've been disobedient. But today, I call to you, Father, and I ask you to wash me in your blood. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I desire to please you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Now let's pray this one together. Heavenly Father, I repent of all my pride. I don't want it. I don't want to live a life of pride. I humble myself before you. I humble my own desires and my own ways before you. I kneel before you today. Forgive me for my pride. Pride of life. Pride of position.
for all my secret prides. Forgive me, Father. I pray and I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jesus. There's a way that seems right to a man and the end is destruction. I want to encourage you, church, today. Let's make it our point to dive into the Word of God and get some things rooted and grounded. Because the enemy's going to shoot against the walls of your castle. He's going to try to take your kingdom down. But Jesus said, blessed is a man who goes deep and digs deep his foundation and lays his walls so that when the enemy comes in, it stands against the attacks of the enemy. I want to encourage you, let's go deep. If you need counseling, seek counsel. If you need prayer, seek prayer. If you need special information on some of the things you're being tempted with, listen, there is so much material available today like never before. There's no reason. There are so many podcasts. There are so many programs. There's so many books. There's so many tapes. That we're living in such an age of knowledge that we are without excuse. So I want to encourage you, whether it's you're chasing meth, whether you're chasing pot, whether you're chasing lust, whatever you may be chasing, it's meaningless and it's like chasing the wind. Get into the word and get some wind behind your sails to get out of that dying pit and go to where the river of life flows forevermore. Grab a hold of the horns of the altar and pray like you've never prayed before. There are emotions that are so strong that speak deep down that try to hold you back. But you pray, you pray until they're broken. I know some of you are saying, I've tried that, I've tried that. Well, I tell you, do it again. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You've messed up, you failed. Okay, repent, get up, and let's go at it again. But I am not going to give in to the enemy of my soul. Satan will not have victory over my life, over my emotions, and over my mind. I will stand strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And I will stand against the enemy and I will conquer every time. I'm going to put on the whole armor of God and fight this battle. For I will not be an enemy of the enemy nor of His ways. But I will be a a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And I will withstand the enemy. I will learn to withstand the enemy. And he will flee from me. And in heaven there will be a moment where all of the angels and all the saints will stand as your name is mentioned. As one who has ran his race, fought his fight, and won and kept the faith. I encourage you today, keep the faith. Keep your marriages. Keep your marriages. Keep your marriages. No more wandering eyes in Jesus' name. No more itching ears. Say, Holy Spirit, just bring a defense against the spirit of whoredom that's attacking our nation. Break this whoredom that's coming against this land in such a way it's destroying that which is holy and sacred to you. Let there be a holy fire and indignation and anger that rises up inside of you to where I will not allow the spirit of whoredom to come into my life. I know some watching, some may be saying, what is going on? Where's this type of preaching? It's the type of preaching that America needs again. 
It's the type of preaching that the church needs again. The Word of God has taught a sword, not a Nerf gun. We're not having a, having a Nerf war. We're in a hand-to-hand combat, and the enemy's going for your throat. And the throat of marriages and children. And as pastor of this church, I'm tired of it. I'm not sitting back and allowing the devil to continue to attack marriages and ruin families and rip hearts out. I say in the authority of the name of Jesus that you spirit of Horonim and Jezebel that is trying to destroy the, uh, the lives and the marriages and the sacred vows of God's people. I say stop. I say henceforth and no more in Jesus' name. Get out of the church of God. Leave the homes and leave the families in the name of Jesus. Stop deceiving the very elect. Stop devastating lives. Spirit of perversion. Spirit of perversion. I speak to you in the authority of the name of Jesus. And I bind you and curse you in that authority. And that generational curse that has been passed down and try to continue down the bloodline. I rebuke it in the authority of the name of Jesus. And I use the keys of the kingdom now. That you've taken victim captives who desire to be free from that sort of lifestyle. So they can live the lifestyle you paid for them to live. But you keep perverting the ways of the Lord. And even as Paul turned around and rebuked the spirit of perversion in Antichrist. I come against it in the body and in this over, over this region. I come against the spirit of perversion over this region. You have taken out Christians, ministers, churches. You have taken out godly families. But in the authority of the name of Jesus, we're not going to just sit back and allow you to continue to attack this region, this area. But we say we plead the blood over central Louisiana and that you will not have your way over our land. We break its curse in Jesus' name. Perversion, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. You have been free way too long to walk our streets and walk our areas as dominion kings. But we say to the principalities and powers, wicked spirit of high places and rulers of the darkness of this land. We address the governing spirits over this area in the name of Jesus. That this is not your land. This is not your area. And whatever covenants have been done and broken in the past. We say it's a new day. We're going to walk in the way of the Lord. And you have no right. You have no right to dominate this region anymore. We pray for the spirit of holiness and purity. Righteousness to be restored. Righteousness to be restored. Righteousness to be restored. Innocence to be restored.
consciences to be restored. Heavenly Father families to be restored. And we pray and we ask this. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Will you speak that name with me? Jesus. Let's speak it over the heavens. Jesus. Come on. Jesus. Let's do it again. Jesus. 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 Woo. Woo. <laughs> Let there be freedom. Oh, yes. Let the sound of laughter be restored where there's been the sound of sorrow because of the devastation of the enemy. There be laughter once again where the enemy thought he had won. Let laughter return to the dinner tables. Let laughter return to the beds. Let laughter return into the homes. Let laughter return to the communication and the love. Let the first love be restored in marriage as I pray today. And I'll give you glory and praise. In the name of Jesus. Now how many of you believe that all things are possible? How many of you believe all things are possible? How many of you believe... That Paul didn't write about principalities and powers just to give us some entertainment. How many of you know that there's authority in the body to reveal the greatness of God to the principalities and powers? And there's an anointing and there's a glory that's going to rise and continue growing in the body to where they're going to take note that the body of Christ has risen and come alive. Spirit of darkness will take note. That the church is going to take its rightful place, stand against the enemy, and we're not going to be victims of the enemy, but we're going to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Spirits of darkness take note that there's an arising generation as in the days of Gideon and as in the days of old. There will be soldiers and soldiers that will arise to take their thrones and their dominions back to where the principalities and powers that once sat upon them will sit upon them no more. There are angels being released from heaven to better guard the place of God so that the Spirit of God can rest like it once did. And that the Spirit and the Word of God will have freedom in the hearts and the lives of people like never before. God, may we live in a new dispensation where the Holy Ghost is abounding and where the Word of God is free and where the power and the authority of God is real. May we live in a new dispensation of the Holy Spirit that the documented Word of God for the church of Jesus to arise and walk and live in total freedom be documentally sealed today so that you and I can walk out of this place in a new level of authority, might, and power. We will not be cowards and turn away in the fight of the enemy, but we'll run towards the wall and we will fight the enemy and we will win this war. There's a new spirit arising. (laughs) There's a new people arising. There's new marriages arising. There's new covenant arising. Because if two or three shall, be, shall agree on anything, there's some marriages. You're getting ready to walk in such an agreement. What you pray for will happen. It will happen instantly. Because you have become in one accord. And the devil cannot put a dividing wall between you. How many believe something I share today? You receive it. Hallelujah. We take heed.
We take heed. We take heed. We take heed by beholding Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, who for joy endured the cross, despising the shame, to give us life. And we receive that life in Jesus' name. Once again, church, I love you. I bless you. Not mad at you. I wasn't preaching mad at you today. Sometimes I just want to jump on the devil and give him a double hook. Sometimes I just, as pastor over this area, sometimes I just want to just want to beat the hell out of him. I beat the hell out of the church. Because he has no right to you and he thinks he does. But he's wrong and he's mistaken. Let the righteous arise. So how many of you know I love you? And I don't judge you. But I love you enough to give you the truth. Because I have to have it too. You didn't need it. I needed this. My wife needed it. But we love you. Looking forward to seeing you next Sunday. Didn't try to run nobody off. Thank God you're still here. Thank God security locked the door so you couldn't leave anyway. But I love you and I bless you. Let the kings arise. Here comes one now to dismiss us. God bless you. I've got a couple of announcements before we pray, close in prayer. Uh, remember of our, our missions trip and the table in the back. And I ask if you would, please be a part of this mission trip uh, with us and go by the table, pick up an envelope. If you can, sew into that, uh, that trip to cover some of the expenses. Also, we'll be having a garage sale Saturday, this coming Saturday. Uh, I think it's from 8 until noon. Uh, if you guys can, if you're able, come by, visit the garage sale, maybe find something for yourself, or if you want to give donations to help out throughout the week from Tuesday to Friday, you'll be able to bring your donations for the garage sale by the church and see Rosalind. She'll take those donations from you, and you can help in that way also. We sure appreciate that. And one more thing. We have a prayer team up here at the altar that our Almighty God has put together for you the people of the church if you have any need please don't leave out these doors today carrying your burden come up here and uh, let one of these folks pray with you that's what they're here for they're not going to discuss any of your personal information or anything you tell them with anybody else they're here for you. If you are carrying a burden, even an addiction, sickness, disease, no matter what it is, there's nothing our God can't do. And he'll use these whom he's gathered up front right here to help you through whatever need you may have. So please, every week as we close, if something's bothering you, if you have a burden of any kind, Remember, they're up here. They're up here for you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this almighty, powerful word, the living word that you brought through our pastor today, Father God. Let it take root in our heart. Help us to remember it each and every day and live by it. Raise it up 
people from this congregation, Father God, according to your will and your purpose. And give them the boldness and help them be courageous enough to take it by the horns, Father, and to follow it. To follow your will and your purpose for their life. To step out in faith so that you can use them in mighty and powerful ways, whatever that way is. Whether it be helping out here in the church or going out beyond these walls in some other area. We know you have a purpose for all of us, Lord. We trust you and we love you and we thank you. Please watch over all of these who are here today. And they're coming and going. And count your angels around them, please, Lord. It's in the precious and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You're